0: This is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Syraclad, featuring one-on-one interviews with designers, contractors, city managers, and civic leaders, as well as thought leaders committed to sustainability, innovation, and solutions that are attractive, affordable, and create healthy living environments. Our podcast eliminates the challenges, breakthroughs, and proven solutions brought to industries, organizations, and our communities. From the office and manufacturer of Syraclad in Redmond, Washington and on location, this is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast. Our guest today, I'm going to give a warm, happy welcome to Richard Pollock, a fellow of the AIA, not just an AIA, I mean, not just an AIA, but a fellow and a founder and president of Pollock Consulting. A sales, marketing, strategic, and tactical business consulting for the architectural, interiors, engineering, and construction professions. For more information, feel free to visit Richard's website at richardnpollock.com. That's richardnpollock.com. Richard, welcome to the Architecture and Innovation Show. So honored and always happy and really excited to see you.
1: It's, it's great to be with you, and um, it's all good. <laughs>
0: I love You know, Richard, you know, we, we've talked about this, not just uh, in our, uh, I guess, our virtual green room, but uh, in, in the past, is that it's all good, and why it means so much to you. Share with your audience today how you, how you got it, why it means whatever you want with it, but it's, it's really important
1: yeah thank you um uh, first of all uh, welcome to everybody listening uh that's great to to have this uh, venue um the it's all good basically came from an old colleague of mine who I'd heard say this some years back, and it just resonated. It was something in sync with my head, but it was much better than my hey, yeah, it's fine, everything's okay um uh, <laughs> but it's all good and it, it's a powerful statement it um, it amps me up, it amps up the people that I'm around. I have uh, so many people in my life and career that, you know, will, when they see me, they absolutely say, Pollock, it's all good. Um, <laughs> and that's, I think, part of the shtick. You know, it's like, I've never been the um, the reticent, you know, hide in the hole architect. It's always been, let's be a little bit out there. And that's part of it.
0: I love that. Let's be a bit out there. Um, this is, of course, my opinion. You may not disagree, or maybe you're biased with it. Is I think what you, what you're doing, Richard, as as an architect, as a, a business person, and as an advisor, is, in my strong opinion, needed by virtually every single architect, designer, building product manufacturer, and, and contractor. <laughs> Ugh, look, I, I got choked up. I'm choked up. I'm so serious about. I'm so serious about that. What in your experience has changed in the last couple of years to where there is more of a value to the advice and the recommendations that you bring to those in our built environment?
1: I I think that one of the the things that's become more powerful, you know, it, it, it even goes back to architectural education where you do not learn anything about business. You don't learn about marketing. You don't learn about sales. And I love to say sales in, in addition to business development because architects hate to use that term. But that's what we do, um, whether we're selling to a, a client or we're selling a design, you know, once we have a client. But it, it's it's about pulling all of the the business side of what we're doing and, and using that to make our businesses better. So, you know, it's been a traditional thing that people would say, Oh, I got a design business. And it, just as a little switcheroo, I said, I have a business that does design. Mm-hmm. And I would explain that, you know, with my architectural firm. And then since then, and knowing that most architects are coming out of school without any real education that it's important to get a perspective on how better they can run their firms, how they can be more effective with their business development and sales, um, and build more equity into the firm for both themselves and their staffs, because that's part of what it's about. I mean, you look at any business that's out there, um, and yeah, we can argue that some of them are perhaps too profit-focused, but, architecture has traditionally been not profit focused. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was always the old saw in architecture was, yeah, I'm going to keep practicing uh, uh, until I go out of business. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's like, no, the goal is to make money and have a mm-hmm. business that continues. And, you know, it was, it was great in my career that I was able to transition my firm to a, a new generation when I retired and, um, and to see it continue to succeed is great. And that's what it's about. You know, it's not a short-term thing. It's making a business better.
0: Making a business better. What is the fear factor in your experience, Richard, of why they're afraid of the sales and business development in architecture and engineering specifically?
1: Well, it's, it's, again, nothing you've ever been educated about. Um, you, you think about other corporations and other businesses where you'll actually have courses on how to sell and how to market and all those other components. And I, I still think back to my education at Pratt Institute where I had not one financial course. I had not one sales or marketing course. And when I started my business, I, I love this story. That when I started my business in 1985, I realized I needed to have a line of credit, you know, from mm-hmm. a bank. So I contacted my bank and sent over the paperwork and said, oh, there's a thousand dollar fee for getting the line of credit. And I didn't know anything. I knew nothing about business. So I looked at it and I said, so um, let me understand. So I'm going to borrow money from you. I'm going to pay you interest on the money I borrow from you, and you're going to charge me a fee to do that. I said, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. And the banker says to me, well, how about 500 instead of 1,000 for the fee? And I literally, my face was like, oh, my God, you can negotiate with a bank had no concept of this at all. So I said, then I think zero is the right number. He says, so well, how about 250? I said, yeah, no zero. <laughs> so for the entire course of my career and my business, we get the paperwork each year. It would have the fees on it. And then there'd be a call from, you know, us to the bank and they'd say, Oh, oh, Sorry, made a mistake. We know it's supposed to be zero. So this is the kind of stuff you learn. And then you find out that, you know, the same thing with sales. When, I again, I started my firm, um, I had come out of another firm that I joined when I first moved to San Francisco and started it up. And didn't call anybody. <laughs> I had relationships with AT&T and some other you know, major law firms and things like that and never bothered to call them. Finally did and called up my client at AT&T. And he says, oh, my God. You just think about this. This is before electronic communication. Um, he says, um, so where are you? What's happened? What's going on? I said, well, I started my own firm. He says, oh, great. Come out to Pleasanton tomorrow. We're going to give you a ton of work. And, you know, I hung up the phone. I went, oh, my God. So you actually have to ask. Um, and I'll be damned. So, yes, you do. <laughs> so that that's part of what it's about. I mean, it, you know, the consulting thing is educating um my clients about these kinds of things. It's like, and and what I've also said, it's kind of, it's kind of an interesting shtick. If you look at a McKinsey and a Bain and the other, you know, the big four accounting firms that do consulting, Mm -hmm. um, they present multiple options to a client because then they're not really responsible for anything. You know, it's Mm. just, Hey, you could do this. You could do that. You can play this game or that game. And I say to my potential clients when we're first talking, I said, so this is going to be a very different thing. You're going to ask me things, talk about things. I'm going to tell you what to do based on my experience and what I've gone through, the mistakes that I've made, the things that I've learned, and where I suggest you go and, and how you approach it. And you can choose not to do it. You can yell at me if you don't want to be bothered about it, but that's how it's going to be working. I'm not going to say you can do A or B or C or D. I'm going to say, here's what you got to do. Um, and That's it. I love it.
0: I absolutely (laughs) love this. I I really do. You're listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast presented by Syraclad. We're talking today with uh, Richard Pollock. Founder and president of Pollock Consulting. For more information, feel free to visit his website at richardnpollock.com. Again, that's richardnpollock, P-O-L-L-A-C-K dot com. Richard, I like that we will tell you what to do. It reminds me of that commercial, this was a while back now, E.F. E- e- Hutton. You remember when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen? yep how, how do you become that if there's i mean that's a that's a left field question but <laughs> how how could how could one become that person to when you do talk people do listen and act on it because they know there's uh there's much to gain and a lot to lose if they don't follow your uh your advice
1: well it's it's the same with i think anything in the world today um if there's an expert, if there's somebody that is recognized. um, I was lucky enough to become president of, uh, international president of IIDA, I'm a fellow there as well, so I'm known. Um, And what's also interesting is that when I was first getting involved in the associations, it was because I wanted to give back. I wanted to, you know, first of all, learn when I was really younger. It's like, let me learn from, you know, and and, and we talked about Art Gensler the other day. Um, he was one of the first people that I went to hear speak when I moved to San Francisco. And I went, wow, you know, this guy knows this stuff. So I'm a young practitioner. I'm listening to and learning from. As I gain more and more experience and expertise, I love to mentor. Um, and to provide that both inside my firm and then doing workshops and other stuff through AIA and IIDA. So then you become known. Um, again, none of this was done initially with there's an agenda <laughs> that this, I'm doing this to be more successful in my business. Not at all. It's just who I am. Um, you, you know, it's, I, I just wrote my autobiography. Um, um, Very nice which was a kick. And it's for my kids and my grandkids, um, oh, very good, not for anybody else. And it's just pulling together the things that make you a person. So that information, that knowledge base is easily absorbed by people that have an open mind. And I'm not good working with people that have a big ego that it's, this is my way of the highway I can only work most effectively with people that are sort of like I was. It's like you're open to learning. You're open to getting information, synthesizing it, and then using it to make your practice better and to help others do the same thing. Terrific. Richard, how do you um,
0: get to help reduce your client's ego we all have them but how do you help how how do you help reduce them if there is a a process mentally or a checklist that you go through to say look here's what you're going to really have to do whether you, you you'll like it in the end but you may not like the process is there
1: a process you have to get them there um it's more getting to know me you know i'm a successful practitioner The name of the firm is known, so it's not like there's a surprise. So if they're, you know, getting onto their high horses and saying, well, I'm not going to do it, it's like, well, that's fine. And you can continue to be the firm you are, or you can listen and you can learn. And not just from me, there's a lot of resources around us that will make everything better. And the better is how you define it. It's, it's more money. It's more, it's better projects. It's better staff. It's increased staff. It's all of the things that they're going to have. You know, um, as, as a quick tangent, you think about architecture, it starts off with programming. So you're trying to find out what are the client's needs. And then the design is used to solve the problem that's revealed through the programming. So it's the same thing with the consulting. It's like, what are the issues that the firm is facing? And it becomes a psychology session as well with the principals, because I'll start to see the things that they're reticent about. I can then focus on that with them. Um, find some article in Harvard Business Review or other sources and say, hey, why don't you read this? Because it augments what I'm saying. So again, it's not just Pollock throwing it out on a table, but there's resources to validate what I'm saying. And I think that helps you know, these people grow. And, and it pushes the ego a bit to the side.
0: Can you share with us if you're at liberty to do so, uh, you don't have to name names, of course, but a, a project or, or a client that you work with that was really came in just, boy, they really need a lot of work. And in the end, maybe a year, two, three years down the road, they became um, beyond successful or really, really,
1: bottom line is they're really happy that they, they work with you. That's a great question. Thank you. Um, one of the firms that I'm still working with after many, many, many years, um, when we first met we you know i'd met over lunch we had a conversation with the principal we're in the conference room for our first real meeting and this other gentleman slams the door opening the door running into the room saying what the hell we what you're doing this meeting i'm your equal partner you haven't told me about this what the hell's going on and we had been talking for about 45 minutes and this Other person slams the door, leaving the room. And I said, So everything we just talked about for the last 45 minutes is thrown out the window. And what we need to do now is determine a strategy so that that person is no longer your partner because the Mm -hmm. firm has to grow and this person is not the right person to do it. And for example, the same firm last year during the pandemic, probably the best year they've ever had. So they've gotten some of the uh, God knows it's not all me for sure, but it's like they've heard some of the things and have incorporated some of this into their practice. And in fact, I was a little late getting on to our call today because they said, we got a crisis. We need to talk about something. So we just had an hour long conversation about the issue they were facing and come up with solutions. And I I get tremendous satisfaction that they're listening and it may be that they're going to adjust as they should for what specifically they want to do, but they're hearing it. And, and again, that's, I I think that's my great satisfaction as well. And that's why they get better. (laughs) Touch into that. What does
0: bring you joy with what it is that you do, Richard?
1: Oh, well, playing with the grandkids is pretty good. That brings a lot oh, of that's joy. That's great. Um, but, uh, you know, on, on the business side, when I see the firm succeed, when I see, in, in particular, this firm was, I don't know, maybe it was 15 people when we started working, and now they're well over 50, and that with multiple offices on top of that. And and that was also from me, you know, they had a project remotely, some big high-rise stuff going on, all kinds of interesting things. I said, well, so what are you going to do about that? Well, this is good. You know, we'll touch on I said, no, you need to open an office there. And I pushed and pushed and pushed, and they finally did it. And now that's where some of the major work is coming from uh, to continue the firm's growth. So it's really interesting, uh, you know, because I went through some of that stuff, too, with opening offices, and it grows, it expands. How quickly can
0: you see where a company can go when they first contact you or refer to you? When you when you take a look at uh, whatever you need to take a look at, it could be the P and L, the uh, right, the, right. the personality, the character, the culture. At what point do you
1: get an idea of here's where I think they can go? Th- this is going to sound now. This is going to sound egotistical from my perspective, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> even though I said ego's bad. Um, it, it's like when I would do architectural programming. Uh, With a client, I would know within an hour what the core issues were for the business, the corporation. Absolutely know it. Not what I was told, not what was written down, but feeling it. And part of it was that I came up with a new strategy that said when we're working with a new company, the CEO or equivalent has to sell the business to us before we start real detailed architectural programming. So now you've got this perspective that's completely different than somebody saying, "I need 14 mid managers, I need 17 conference rooms, I need you know 150,000 square feet." It's like, why? What's the rationale? So that is the driver, and it's the same thing when working with a, a client on the consulting side. I can see very quickly, I can read between the lines, I hear what the issues are and then I'll bring it out and I'll say, well, it sounds like the issue is recruiting. It sounds like the issue is business development or sales. Um, and in many cases, and I, I feel good about this, they'll go, yeah, oh yeah, that, that is the issue. Um, it's, just, it's just from experience. Um, it, it's, it's nothing super special about me, but it's experience. I love it.
0: This is terrific. You're listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Sierra Cloud. We're talking today with Richard Pollock, founder and president of Pollock Consulting. We're going to give a, an acknowledgement to uh, one of Richard's recommendations for Vote Forward. And uh, Vote Forward is a 501c4 nonprofit organization. Their mission is to empower grassroots volunteers to encourage their fellow citizens in underrepresented communities to vote. They build tools to facilitate communications between Americans to help strengthen their democracy, our democracy. The project began as an experiment by Scott Foreman in Alabama in 2017. And encouraged by the success of that test, Scott and a small group of friends and fellow Apple Power alumni built the first version of this platform to empower volunteers to take easy and effective action. For more information, you can go to their website at votefwd.org we're talking with uh, Rich Pollock of richardnpollock.com, consultant and president. Richard, your approach, I'm talking about your, the, the approach that you have, is, in my opinion, of course I'm biased, and our listeners can call me whatever they want, but to me it's the truth, is I don't think that there's a business out there that can't benefit, specifically in architecture, engineering, and construction, that could not benefit... From your uh, your advice or your counsel um, yeah I, I might be smacking on the shoulder a bit but it's really <laughs> true and that's also why you're here because a lot of our listeners are architects engineers and, and uh, owners why is that so important that business facet of their practice of their company and not just the delivery of a product
1: or a service because that's what they're doing they're in business it's not just a hobby, it's not something that's done to fill in the time. And, and let's admit also that in particular on the architectural side, most people go into the practice because they love to design, love to draw, love to come up with concepts and all of that, that good stuff, which is valid, but in order to deliver a product, Uh, In in order to deliver a building and interiors, whatever it may be, they've got to have the business side of it. You've got to have people that are paid properly. They have to get proper benefits. Um, They have to be able to grow within the organization and be mentored in that manner. So that makes the business much more successful, and that's what I think has often been missing you know in in our profession, so th- th- that's part of you know when I was retiring from the architectural firm, said, "Oh, now I get to do this more, you know <laughs> instead of the occasional workshops and whatever now it can be hey here 's what we're doing and the th- The funny part of this is that it's not <laughs> this is the the opposite of what i 'm saying it 's not like i'm doing this consulting thing because I got to make a lot of money um." it's to do what I want to do. Um, it's like, I'm fine. You know, the retirement is good. Everything was good. Um, and social security is is paying part of it now too, but it's more that it, it gives the people an opportunity to grow in their profession and to really make things work better. Well said your autobiography. What, what touch a little bit on that, please. Um, I I wrote an autobiography for my kids and grandkids because, you know, they know something about their grandparents, but they don't really, you know, so here's an eight and 10 year old grandsons at this point and it gives them my history. I mean, it really starts from the very beginning. The first line, the first line in it is, "I was born at a very young age," um, and then you know it, it works through and it gets through into the pandemic as well. Um, but you know, it talks about family. It talks about how they came on the scene, and it's history. You know, it, it's like anything else. We all love. I love to read history, so that's maybe part of the the germination of this great is it out or will be oh out is that it will be only for it will be it's only for the the kids and the grandkids and it has been published through blurb um but it's not for anybody else this this doesn't get out to anybody other than the family Um, wow Oh yeah, yeah. No, this, that's, this like, is just great. for me. It's, it's, it's actually about, I think the whole thing is about 200 pages long. Um, and it was a kick. It was an effort. Oh my God. Oh, um, really? so it, it had a lot of time last year to work on it as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, great. I'm glad to hear that. Richard, what else w- would you like to share with your audience that we may not have touched on that you, uh, uh, As you think is important,
1: I think that one of the the biggest issues facing our society and that includes obviously the profession is diversity. Um, we are still way too white and male, and that needs to continue to change. you know I, I was thinking back that when I received my fellowship in the AIA you know, it's the black robes, it's the heraldic trumpets, you know, going off in this grand church. Um, and I was surrounded by old white guys that had pretty much the same hairstyle I've got, which is none. And that resonated. It's like there weren't women, there weren't people of color, and that needs to really be a focus for the profession. Um, you know, I looked around at one point earlier in my career and somehow it had hit me. I said, you know, are we diverse enough? Is this is this firm, you know, doing the right things to get the right kinds of different perspectives because different people, different backgrounds bring different design solutions um, or help build them. And I looked around and without having any agenda about this, it was every day different kind of person there could possibly be in the firm. Um, And there was, there was a, our receptionist was trans, um, gay, straight, Asian, black. I mean, everybody and their mother, you know, was in the firm. And I realized that that brought a lot to me um, as well as our clients. So that, so again, I think that the diversity issue is something that every firm has to really be focused on, Um, I don't think it's being done as much as it needs to. And it goes back to the schools because we don't have enough people of color and women in the schools that there needs to be. The percentages are way off from society norms.
0: How much do you think that would be affected if if, uh, architecture and design was
1: introduced to the youth? Oh, it'd be huge. Um, You know, we were... One of the things that I did is we had a a scholarship program through the firm, the architectural firm, um, that represented minority at-risk kids and through the Architectural Foundation of San Francisco. And we identified kids who were studying architecture and design in the Bay Area high schools, and we gave them a scholarship to go to an architectural school. Um, it didn't go to them; it went to the school, so that they had their tuition dealt with and helped grow them into it the The program also went to lower grades too, but that was our focus at the time was the the high school it It should be throughout education. You look at corporate America, which has recognized that design is a key differentiator and helps their bottom lines. So if we inculcate that into young people and that continues to grow, I think that will add to the diversity components. It will add to more people being interested in it and just being more knowledgeable. Richard,
0: it's been an honor and pleasure having you here today. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you for the opportunity. I I enjoyed uh, connecting and, uh, Hope it's been helpful forever is gonna listen.
0: Absolutely. Our guest today has been Richard Pollock, fellow of the AIA. I love the I love that fellow. Founder <laughs> and, and uh president of Pollock Consulting, a sales, marketing, strategic, and tactical business consulting for the architectural, interiors, engineering, and construction professions. For more information, feel free to visit RichardNpollock.com. Again, Richard N. Pollock.com. You've been listening to the architecture and innovation podcast by Sarah Clad. The architecture and innovation podcast by Sarah Clad features one-on-one interviews with designers, contractors, city managers, and thought leaders committed to sustainability, innovation, and solutions that are attractive, affordable, and create a healthy living environment. Thank you.